What's up, guys? Welcome to BitCast episode 60. Oh my goodness. For the week of August 19th, 2018, I'm your host, Jake Martin. In the studio this week, we have Dandy Landry Smith. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Have you been called that before? I've never been called that. That's a new one. Good. Which is saying something. Dandy Landry. I think that's a good one. You know, I like it. It's like it's uplifting. Positive. Being dandy. I'm honestly not sure what that means, what the definition of dandy is. Like Swell. Neat. <laughs> yeah, I think both of those would... Be like, synonyms. If something's like impressive, like that's dandy, you know? Absolutely. I don't know. Well, anyways, dandy, thank you so much for, for being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on episode 60. Episode nice even 60. number. Yeah, this is a big deal. We're, we're getting along. We're, get, we're getting out there and uh, pretty soon we'll be at episode 100 and then Oof. we'll be at episode 1,000 before long. And Good Lord. <laughs> just <laughs> years and years, long after <laughs> I've had children and I don't have time to do this anymore. <laughs> Um, but anyways, if you are tuning in today, we're going to be discussing the news of the week and the Indie Showcase that actually happened today as this is being recorded. So when you're listening, it'll have happened yesterday. Um, but it was kind of weird how it was presented slash tossed out because it was part of Gamescom. Gamescom. So it was like a weird EU-only showcase, and we still got some news out of it. So we'll be talking about that. No question. It was strange. Yeah, it was weird. But we're going to talk about it because still some cool, cool things that came out of that. Um, make sure to leave reviews or write into us if you would like us to read off your topic uh, on the show and discuss it with you while you're listening. And um, the drink of the show today is Stumptown Coffee, brought to you by, I think it's from Seattle, maybe New York, one of the two. It's delicious. I should have looked at the, the box or the bag first, but oh well. Uh, brewed in a chemic, so we're doing it classy over here in the old BitCast studios. But before we jump into the news of the week, Landry, what the heck have you been playing since I last talked to you? Well, I've been playing Project Octopath Traveler still. Mm. That game seemingly never ends. But um, I, I'm about 40 hours in. Last time we talked, I think we oh, were that's impressive. 20. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so so you, got some, you got some headway then. I did, yeah. I also have some updated opinions on it. I'm a little nervous. I thought they are going to be bad. <laughs> they're not necessarily bad, but I just wanted to let everyone know that my opinion of the game has gone... I'm not as excited about it as I was. <laughs> it's... Uh, after you get done with the whole first round of chapters, you kind of realize that the game repeats itself a lot, and you do the same thing mm. over and over again. Like chapters two and three, which I'm mostly through with all the chapter threes for all the characters, there hasn't been much, well, there hasn't been any. Uh, it's been very repetitive is what I'm trying to say. Would you say that the, so like the dungeons from chapter one to chapter two are like almost the same? One of the things about the dungeons that I do really appreciate... No, they're not the same. You're, you're going to new areas. They're very compact, and they don't take a long time to get through. Mm -hmm. But about chapter two or so, you start to hit these bosses that are, the difficulty scale just amps up pretty hard. And so you have to go grind a little bit. And I think, I guess it's... I mean, I'm a JRP veteran. I've played a lot of them. <laughs> but I'm pretty experienced. But there's a lot of grinding in this game. It definitely demands your time. And I, I'm just... I'm about over it, to be honest. Oh, no. I didn't want to hear that. That's definitely not going to motivate me to get back into this. I know, and that's that's kind of the thing. Uh, You're not motivated anymore? You're like... I'm going to finish it because... You've already come this far. Yeah, I've already gone this far, and well. I have a problem about finishing games, even if I'm not like really loving it. Mm -hmm. Because I invested the money into it, I feel like I deserve to finish it. I'm going to do this. Oh, you know what's depressing? So I'm... I wish I was that way, but there are so many games that I have. I was looking at my PS4 catalog of games that I've gotten, and part of this is because they're like free with PS Plus, 
But I was looking at all the games that I had downloaded or I, I own. And I was like, haven't beaten that, haven't beaten that, haven't beaten that. And I was like, man, I got to I gotta really just double down and stop buying new games. <laughs> no question. I And I used to be that way. And I, I've made a conscious effort to when I buy a game, I, I beat it. And I don't buy another game until I beat it. Um, and I usually have a couple things going on in my backlog that I'm playing too because I don't right. like to just be playing one thing. Well, you save money by doing that, where you kind of limit yourself to the games that you're buying at the time. And it, it kind of reminds me of when we were kids. You know, you would you would buy a game or you'd rent a game, and that's the only game that you could play. Like, And half the time, it was a terrible game. It was like a licensed, just garbage game that you were stuck with because you're like, well, that's I like Star Wars, and I bought this Star Wars game, and it's not good. Yeah, it's birthday and Christmas. And yeah. then after that, you got... Well, for me, is October is my birthday, and then December is Christmas, and then I've got like a eight month gap before I got another shot. At eight month a good gap, game. maybe like you, you're really, really good with money and save your allowance up. But yeah, oftentimes you were stuck with what you had. That's where bartering at recess was a real <laughs> valuable skill. Listen, man, I just beat ET. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna want to, you're, you're gonna want to have this game in your catalog. It's great. I bartered with Pokemon cards because my parents wouldn't buy us those, nice. and so I got my friends duplicates. And then I took those to the schoolyard and gave my friends two of like a duplicate that I have. I was like, I'll give you two dittos or two diglets for one of your onyxes, you know, and so on and so forth. And I got a pretty, pretty good stack and collection of cards. And then my parents found out that I had all these cards and they're like, you shouldn't even have these. Like, where'd you get these from? And they made <laughs> me give them back to all my friends. <laughs> oh man, that's it a was, bummer. It was very sad. I really thought I was doing a good thing there. But Well, at least you got the deal off. I mean, that's one for the... It's true. The ego. It's true. Know? Yeah, and I got to at least have Pokemon cards for a little bit. So, but Octopath. So your your expectations have gone down a little bit. You're still probably enjoying the battle system, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not a bad game at all. It's just it it linger. It, I think it's going to outstay its welcome by the end of it, and the repetition of the gameplay loop just kind of it's. I mean, that's kind of JRPGs in general. But because the story is not really engrossing. I think it's finally yeah. starting to wear out its welcome. And after having looked into things online, I think I've still got about 20 hours to go. Oh, so no. <laughs> I'm just going to slowly chip away at it over the next two years, probably. <laughs> well, I, I'm probably going to have to move on. I, I feel like you also probably overdid it by going, you're doing each and every single story. You're doing like every single person's chapter, like one at a time. That's true. Which is probably how I would. I would do it as well, um, but it could be it could be like maybe you just take a party through, and just play one person's story all the way to fruition. And but then the like, difficulty gets really intense. Like I don't think you could beat this game without playing every character's story. Oh, and each town you go to in the chapters have better and better inventory and equipment, and it updates constantly when you finish stories. I, I don't. I'm not sure about that. But I, from what I understand of the game's mechanics, I'm pretty sure that that's what's happening. Once it learns that you've gone so, so far with yes. a character's story, or you've gotten these items, it's like okay, now the game's gonna be this more difficult, this much more difficult. Yes, because I've I've been back to some of the first towns and I've bought more complex weapons. Mm. So, you know, I, I was thinking about that because I went back to a previous town and they actually had some way better weapons than what I remembered. And I was like, oh, that's weird that these are here now. I was mm -hmm. like, cool, whatever. Okay, well, sad to hear that. Um, for me, man, so I'm not proud to admit this because we just talked about this, but there was a sale on a few Nintendo games, right? It was like Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, I think Splatoon, 
to nice. and Mario Tennis. I own all three of those other ones, except for Mario Tennis. And I had not bought Mario Tennis because I just had read the reviews and saw what I had and played the demo enough to know, like, I don't know if this game's going to be for me. But I was like, you know, 45 bucks for Mario Tennis? I was like, I can do that. I can do that. that that'll be a game that like maybe I'll just have in my catalog and we'll it's play one it. you could probably pick up and play with some friends every once in a while, right. you know? Picked it up, and I beat the entire story in a matter of probably four hours. Very nice. Maybe less. Um, and I got to say, that is the that is the lowest production quality that I've seen in a Nintendo game. Uh, maybe the last Mario Tennis game might. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I guess you're that. right. But I, I, it's it was it was honestly jarring because of everything I've played on Switch has been so phenomenal so far. Like I haven't been let down by a lot of the games that I've played. Right. And this one, I was just like, man, I was like, for it being a Mario, like mainline Mario title, like this, like just graphically wasn't impressive. Um, a lot of them, it was just very bare bones, like just very, very bare bones in what you're able to do. It seems like, I mean, I actually like the tennis gameplay. The mechanics are sound. The When you're in a match, it feels good. Yeah. But they just didn't take the time to beef up anything around it from There's, what I've read. Yeah, that's pretty much all. It's It's like... That main, yeah, the main gameplay mechanic where you have the new super shots or like special shots and all that kind of stuff, slow motion, those actually are fun and it makes it feel, and I've seen reviewers talk about this, it makes it feel like a fighting game sort of where you're kind of having to read your opponent and adjust for when you should use those attacks and when you should kind of just play defensively. Uh, but outside of it, like everything else is lacking. Um, story was just, they had some neat ideas, but it was just like, just pretty straightforward and not very exciting and then the the biggest bummer for me is i'm a a tennis purist so i'm i love mario tennis on the 64 because that game feels just it feels good um and it's competitive and it's just it's bare bones it's like you have these different types of shots and that's pretty much it you know and just great game learn how to play it and you'll get better whereas this one they have a stripped down mode where i thought it was going to be like mario tennis for 64 um but it 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 noticeably felt so um, slow and like sluggish in comparison to the new mode. And it wasn't because of the mechanics, like literally the character movement was way slower than what it was in the new modes. Uh, so it's, it's probably meant for more casual play, I guess? I guess so. Uh, they, it just seemed very dumbed down and like not competitive at all. And I was like, this is rough. Like the tennis, the, the court was also super small, it felt like too. Like weird. Character models are really big, um, and the court itself was like really small. So I was just like, "This, this just feels awful." It, it just felt like a like a Mario tennis, like a Mario tennis inside of Mario Party, like just kind of like baked in. Just okay, got you. Hey, we thought about this, and it's kind of like the mechanics are here, but it's not great. I wish they would just charge thirty dollars for a title like that that they probably haven't spent a lot of time yeah. developing. I mean, and they would sell a lot more. They would have sold. I would have picked it up at thirty bucks, yeah. easy. And I, forty-five I'm sure bucks a lot of people. was borderline still too expensive for this. Um, that's why I got it. But I was like, yeah, like this is to, to me that like, this is the only probably thirty-dollar Nintendo game that I've ever bought. Where I'm just like from On the, the get-go, it, it should have been thirty bucks from the get-go. I really hope they do right with Mario Party. I hope so too. This is not a good indication, but what is good is like I see some of the level design and like what they did with like the story. And like some of the things you have to do, I was like, that was a fun mini game. And if they can do like that kind of production value with Mario Party, like I'd be totally happy with it. Is Camelot Camelot mm-hmm. developed mm-hmm. this one, right? Yeah. Okay. 
They don't have anything to do with Mario Party, do they? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't. I've that? never really looked into the development team. It was always Mario Hudson. Party. It was always oh, okay. Hudson. The little B. Remember that little B logo? I do. Um, I think that's what it was always was for Mario Party. And okay. It might have changed later. I don't know. But anyways, that's what I've been playing, and I beat that entirely, and I've been, I've been trying to get back into Octopath, so just messing around with that. It's worth getting back. The one thing I love about Octopath is I've been uh, watching... Um, oh, man, I'm blanking on it. The prequel to Breaking Bad. Better Call Saul. Okay, yes. And The Sopranos, kind of. Mm-hmm. Just going back and forth between those shows, kind of catching up on some shows I have fallen behind on and you're just playing and i'm just playing octopath traveler it's kind of mindless and smart that's the beauty of the switch man i mean it's that weird is the beauty of the switch weird to have a multi-screen situation going on where you're watching tv and playing video games at the same time but it kind of sounds gluttonous when it, when you really start when you say stop like and think about it yeah. but <laughs> well han and i are watching the expanse i'm doing the same the same exact thing it's okay. this like sci-fi show on amazon we're checking that out right now and it's uh, usually i'll bring the switch in bed and just she's watching the expanse and i'm playing octopath or whatever else I've never heard of that show. I'll have to check it out. It's pretty dope. The first two seasons are free on Amazon Prime. So okay, check it out. All right. Well, that is our opener segment. Pretty long, actually. So if you're still with us, we're going to be right back with the news of the week. And we're back. We're going to try and get to the news really quick so we can get to the main topic because we've already burned through probably 20 minutes of discussion. So up first on the list here, we have Diablo 3 Eternal Collection is headed to Switch on or before the 21st of December for $60. Landry, did you ever play the uh, other, you know, Diablo, Diablo games? I, I never played Diablo 2. That's a pretty big hole in my gaming history. I played a little <laughs> bit of Diablo 3 on PS3. I picked it up. It didn't ever really grab me. I may pick up. The Switch version, though, it seems like the perfect Switch game, to be honest. I know. Everything seems like a good Switch game. You're like, I'll just buy that. I'll just yeah. buy that. That's uh, true. This, Yeah, this game, uh, so I don't know if you ever played Gauntlet before. Gauntlet yes. Legends. I, I love love that game. Me too. Um, it looks like that to me. I never have played this game. I know it was on PS Plus for free, I think, a while back. Oh, really? But I never got it. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I have time to sink into it. And that's, it's, it's a game that's more fun with people. When you're playing in a party, you can kind of just go through the storyline and just beat the crap out of some monsters. True. But this does include both the Reaper of Souls and Rise of the Necromancer expansions. It also includes, this is the cool part, in-game bonuses, uh, the Legend of Ganondorf cosmetic armor set, a Triforce portrait item, and a Kuko, cu- uh, I don't know how to pronounce the chickens in Zelda. Uh, yeah, I don't either. Cu- I think Kuko, uh, cu- Kuku, I don't know. Either way, you got some uh, some Zelda swag in there, and uh, it looks like it can be played with four people on the same Switch, on different Switches, or a team of um, four people online with the Nintendo Switch online service. People are pretty happy about that from what I've read. It seems like, a, again, I don't have a lot of experience with this game. It seems like people are really into that. Mm-hmm. So. I know Diablo's a very popular game, and I mean, just, gosh, I mean, just imagine being able to play this in the car again i mean just like just with if you had some siblings or whatever and you could just play on one switch or if they had their own switch even better but it's all local co-op so you could just like literally play together and go through some dungeons together and absolutely seems like a great game for that so it does and blizzard and nintendo haven't had a relationship in Mm -hmm. a long time i know they did a starcraft 64 and maybe lost vikings on the super nintendo way back when but yeah it's been a minute it has been a minute so it's good to see that they're Back in action, and maybe that Overwatch game will come true someday. 
I saw an article talking about that. I was going to kind of just mention that for a second. So he was actually, I think in the same interview when they were talking about Diablo, someone asked him, and this comes by way of uh, Forbes, actually, that previous article, but they were asking him, uh, could Overwatch run on Switch? And the answer was yes. He's like, it's it's feasible, yes. I saw that too, I think. <laughs> and I was and... like, uh So I don't know. This could be the start of something good. That's the other reason this is important. It's like Diablo's coming to it, but then also... Any other Blizzard property potentially could come that way. So, who knows? It'd be really cool if they got World of Warcraft on there. But I don't even know if that'd be feasible because I don't think it is. The servers you need like a mouse and keyboard for that game, probably. Yeah, I never played Warcraft. I never did either. But I would definitely play it on the Switch if it was. (laughs) (laughs) There's a hundred. I feel like that's. I feel like that's our new tagline. It's like I would definitely play it if it was on the Switch. I've I've always wanted to get into that game. I've just needed a launch point, and now you're 12 years out of it. You know. Yeah, we're, we're, so, I think we missed the boat, man. I think. We, you're right, you're right. I, I think it's to, too late. We need to put that one to bed. Just give that up. That'll be something you just admit to people, like your biggest you know, gaming uh, sin, just saying like... Yeah. I'm going to try and never say again that I would play that on the Switch. You're right, that that sentence has gotten stale. No, man, it's got to be our tagline. It's a foregone conclusion, though. It's got to be It's, <laughs> it's got to be our tagline every time. Hey, I'd play on the Switch. Uh, up next, Movie Pass is uh, toast, man. They are done. Did you ever have Movie Pass? Did you... Did you subscribe to it? No, I didn't, but I preached it to people for a while. So, Hannah and I both had it, and we loved it. 10 bucks a month, unlimited movie viewings, basically per day. So you can go see one movie per day for the whole month for $10. And it paid for itself. I mean, like we would see probably two to three movies per month. And if you think about that, the cost of an average movie is between 10 and $12. Easy. So, boom, you see it once, and you're done already paid for it then you go again and you're basically just raking over raking them over with uh with cheap cheap tickets so unfortunately good things do not last for long this is from GameSpot. they are being sued by shareholders over alleged false and misleading statements about its business prospects the suit claims the business model was unsustainable and that it was always inevitable that the parent company would run out of cash it claims there were no reasonable basis to believe that moviepass could monetize the model fast enough to maintain the business and their most recent quarter with reported operating loss of $126.6 million. Jeez. So I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with this or not, but basically what happened is MoviePass changed their model. They were losing money, obviously, because of what I was just telling you. And so they were like, okay. Uh, and it happened the same weekend that Mission Impossible came out, the new one. And they said, uh, any blockbuster movies that are opening in th- over 1,000 theaters worldwide will not be available on the app. So that's pretty much almost every like larger big movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a thousand theaters isn't it's hard to get to. Not a lot to. of theaters. There's way more than that. That type that that many cities. Even in the a United lot of States. independent films, when after they have their limited run, they're they're going to be in about three thousand exactly. twenty five to three thousand theaters. Exactly. So this was literally almost every single movie was not available for the first two weeks. So what would happen is you would want to go see a movie but it wouldn't be available on the app for you to actually use it. So you were out of luck. Right. And then they tried changing the model to be like three movies per week, but under the same stipulations of the blockbuster thing. So it basically just kept getting worse and worse, and everyone was just pissed, and everyone dropped, and, and Hannah and I just canceled our subscriptions as well. Um, because, I mean, I mean, just at this point, it's easier for us to either go with AMC's, uh, $20 a month movie. Yeah. Basically movie pass, but yeah. they call it something else, it's, I'm sure. Yeah, it's 20 bucks a month and you see three movies a week. And then you can also get uh, like 
concession perks and stuff like that and points nice. that go towards, I think, maybe a free ticket down the road or something like that. But yeah, I mean, at this point now, what did come that's good out of this is that MoviePass forced AMC to basically try and make it more inviting and affordable for people to go there. That is awesome. So, because that's a great deal. I uh, grew up like 15 years old working in a movie theater, so I had free movies all through high school. Yeah, so you're you're not too you're not yeah you're you're used to being in the movies. Absolutely, yeah, I love the movies. <laughs> but also, hot tip if you're in Chattanooga, five dollar. Tuesdays, Stimulus mm-hmm. Tuesdays. That's when Liz and I typically try and go. That's so. the way to do it, man. We saw Christopher Robin uh, this weekend, and that okay. I don't say this often, but that movie was adorable. Like that—that <laughs> that, that, that is the only way to describe that movie. Like it was just grossly adorable. Like just yeah, look. that makes sense with the Winnie the Pooh thing. Oh, I could gosh. I could see that. It was great. The animation style was really impressive too. That's the the biggest thing I liked about it. I don't know why. I've never seen a single trailer for that movie. I love Disney, but Winnie the Pooh really never did it for me, so I wasn't like super hyped to go see that or even check out a trailer, but I needed to check it out. Yeah. Well, and Winnie the Pooh also is kind of like the weird like side property that Disney owns. Like I kind of forget that they own like Winnie the Pooh sometimes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that's that's Disney now. So, anyways, uh, movie passes uh, in bad bad shape, guys. So uh, if you have the yours, I would recommend checking their terms of policies. If you haven't used it yet, uh, chances are it's changed for you as well. And uh, I don't think it's too long before they go under. So sorry for all the folks that work there, but that's what happens when you when you have make... a terrible business strategy. <laughs> yeah, the business strategy did not work. <laughs> uh, next up, this is actually pretty exciting. Uh, New Super Mario Bros. U is reportedly in quotes here. Heading to Switch. This is becomes by way of IGN, but also comicbook.com. Uh, basically, what they're saying is that uh, multiple sources from Nintendo, reportedly, uh, have suggested that it will be updated and re-released for Switch as early as 2018. And supposedly, Nintendo plans to also add the new Super Luigi U DLC with the Switch port, as well as some all-new content packed in. It's pretty, pretty awesome. I would love to play that again. I'm not... I'm not a big fan of the of the U, new Super Mario Bros, all that kind of that aesthetic. I don't like the I don't like the art style, but I thought New Super Mario Brothers U was easily the best one of all the new Super Mario Brothers series. Yeah. They had a couple really fun worlds. One of them was like based off of Starry Night by Van Gogh. Uh Oh, really? Yeah, super cool. Just a couple really strange one-off levels that I really think that they hold up as some of the best Mario levels ever made. Uh, oh, or 2D. Bold statement. 2D Mario levels. It's not in my top five 2D Mario games. Right. But they, there's just a couple of really great levels. The new Super or the Luigi DLC yeah. is extremely difficult. And That's I really appreciate that as a pretty hardcore platformer fan. So Well, and that was the problem with me on the new Super Mario Bros. just line of games. They were not very challenging. Every time I played them, I was like, yeah, this is... This, doesn't feel like Mario to me in this regard. And maybe if I go back and play Mario Super Mario World, I'll feel that same way. Like maybe this isn't as hard to remember it being because when I was a kid, I was like, this is so hard. <laughs> but now maybe I'm just so good at games that it's not. <laughs> Super Mario World is my jam, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I and I honestly like this is a rumor right now, but I it seems pretty, pretty realistic. They have like names for everything and there's just a lot of data behind these rumors. So. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if this was like a, a a fun release at the end of the 
holiday season or something like that. They just drop it in Christmas or something like that. It would be nice if they added like an extra world or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I think we'll probably see a Mario Odyssey tie-in. Just like a small that could be cool. Odyssey level that just throw it in there or something like that. I do hope this is just the end of that entire series, though. I don't, I'm okay with getting a port, and I'll probably be one of those suckers who buys it who the buys second it time. But I don't ever want to see a new Super Mario Brothers yeah. 4 or whatever they're going to be on now. Now this would be probably 5. But Keep the 2D platforming, but just maybe... Yeah, change up the art change style. Change the art style. Um, Do you know the logos on the Switch? Like you can go in and change your avatar to like the painted mario no kind of they've got like all the whole mario character suite oh cool i love that art style and i think if they made it uh like just like that it would be fantastic it looks great it it, they'd have to kind of like flesh it out because it would it would look like paper mario almost the way that i'd be okay with a platforming paper mario game though. that'd be very cool that'd be neat dang no no, no, my my brain's kind of spinning now off of what you said but We'll continue on. And last on our news segment, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night has been delayed to 2019, and the Vita version has been outright canceled. This comes by way of Polygon. And they said, Igarashi announced that his Castlevania spiritual successor has been delayed in an update to the game's Kickstarter campaign in order to raise the quality level, citing feedback from a demo played by backers. And he said the game is now arriving about two years. Sorry, this is just me writing this down but the game is now arriving about two years later than originally planned so that's pretty crazy that is crazy (laughs) this game i remember hearing about this game a long time ago and i will admit i'll be the first to admit that i'm not the biggest castlevania fan um and not because i don't like the the series it's just because i really haven't had that much time playing them so when this got announced everyone was like hyped up about it i saw it all over the tabloids people talking about it and stuff but it's kind of funny. Like I've been hearing about this for a while now, and it has been two years since this game's been. It's since it's it's supposed to have like released essentially. That I didn't realize it was that I started hearing about this game maybe about a year ago, and I love Symphony of the Night. It's probably my favorite PlayStation yeah. One game. Well, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. It's also really good. But it's it's a very good PlayStation game. I love Castlevania Four. Those are the only two games I think that I have a lot of experience with. I played one on the Game Boy Advance. I forget which one that was. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That was really good. Yeah, I played all the Game Boy Advance DS ones. <laughs> they were good. Take that back. Yeah, but those are very much like Symphony of the Night, mm-hmm. that Metroidvania style. Yeah. I'm excited about this game, but I honestly think this is going to work in their favor because there's. We were talking about this last time that I was on Metroidvania just overload right now. And there's a lot of good games that are getting really good reviews. And even if this came out and got like a 9 or an 8.5 on IGN, it being that style of game in this year with Dead Cells out right now and Hollow Knight out right now, I don't think they're going to get great sales. So this may just be a move by their marketing team saying, hey, this isn't a great time to launch a game like this right now. <laughs> There's too many really good games like this right now. <laughs> and it's possible they want to put down. some more work into it, and that's fine too. But uh, honestly, the art style of this game doesn't look great to me. It looks, it looks weird. It, it looks almost like a, a browser game. That sounds mean, but it, it looks kind of like that, just the way that it's 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 kind of designed. Um, and maybe that's what they're fixing, or maybe they're they're doing a bit more texturing and shading on the back end or something but yeah it doesn't look great um so sad is sad to see that and that's kind of a that's kind of a reality of game development especially like and this is one thing that's interesting with a lot of game development now it's very public knowledge on how the game's coming along and sometimes it can lead to this kind of crap happening where like 
maybe if the developer just kind of was just working on the game, they they have a realistic idea of how long it's going to take to release it, and they wouldn't have told fans saying, "Hey, we'll fund this game, and uh, we'll keep you updated on if it's on how far along it's coming." So now this just creates a a bad taste in pretty much everyone's mouth because it's like, dude, this has been it's been two years we've been waiting for this game. Yeah, especially with Kickstarter projects when there is like such a fan and developer they're giving you kind money. of feedback loop. Yeah, yeah, and they're also funding it, so That's rough. there's a responsibility to constantly let them know how it's going. But I'm I don't know much about game development at all, but it's it's really difficult to get everything working and to get it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, have... I think it, it's worth the wait if it's gonna turn into a good product. Yeah. I'd rather wait you know, six years for every Zelda game than have an Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed every single year that's mediocre and just a slight little advancement over the mm-hmm. next one. I think I think Miyamoto, I'm pretty sure, sure we've said this quote on the show before, but it's it's like a bad game is a bad game forever. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's his philosophy with everything that he makes. He's like, I'm not going to release something that I don't think is good. So Yeah, so if they need to keep it in the oven a little longer to get it where it needs to be, more power to them. I will definitely keep my eye on this game. I'm not exactly excited about it. But, again, Symphony of the Night's one of my favorite games. So, mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Symphony of the Night and Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night, uh, Landry, you wrote a mini-review for us on Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon, from the same developer. Um, they released... And then this could be potentially also why this game got delayed a little bit. They were also developing this game in tandem with... Uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. So Bloodstained Ritual, Curse of the Moon is a throwback to NES style or SNES style it's graphics. It's NES, it's 8-bit all the way. Okay, so 8-bit graphics on the NES um, and it's very much a Castlevania style game as well. So I don't know if you want to read this off or you want to read it off for you or how, how do you want to do, do this? Yeah, this... You, you can go ahead and read it off. All right, so this is, this is Landry's review of uh, Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon. Bloodstained Curse of the Moon is the appetizer to the upcoming Castlevania Symphony of the Night offspring Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Psych. <laughs> Not coming out for a while. Uh, Symphony of the Night plays... Sorry, yeah, of the Night pays direct homage to Castlevania III, Dracula's Curse, a game I never played. In Symphony of the... Uh, sorry, Symphony of the Moon, you can play as four different characters with four different abilities and weapons that are good for defeating varying enemies and unlock branching paths in eight levels. The gameplay loop of switching between characters for fresh, I'm sorry, for different situations is fun and keeps things fresh. This is an NES throwback title, and you can expect some difficulty to go along with it. I've been playing on veteran mode, and my deaths are frequent, but I never hit a wall where I couldn't get past a level without a few tries. The different shortcuts and paths available for each level give the player a reason to replay this short, this short action title multiple times. Curse of the Moon isn't going to change anyone's life, but it's a fun throwback title, and at under 10 bucks, it's one of the best bang-for-your-buck titles out this year. 7 out of 10. Very nice. Do you still stand by that? I do, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I wrote that right after I beat it, So, which was this week. How long did it take you to beat it? No more than three hours, I wouldn't think. Okay, I remember hearing it was pretty it's short. It's eight levels long. and You can you go know, back and like re- replay different things. Like you were there's saying a that. mechanic that... I was trying to keep that under 300 words, so uh, there's a mechanic that you can go back and replay levels. You lose all your items that you've gained... But you can go back and like fish for items because mm-hmm. there's one upgrade per level after the second level, so there's like six total. Okay, um, and it's like more health, higher hit power, that kind of stuff. Yeah. They're very minute, yeah, tweaks. But but you can go back, yeah, and it's just a fun NES action game. It 
plays exactly like Dracula 3. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Castlevania 3. Yeah. But again, I've never played that game, uh, which I mentioned in the review. Just from YouTube and looking up clips and stuff. And it looks the same. The levels are like basically, I think most of them are the same environments, mm-hmm. just kind of redone. But it is very, very 8-bit. There's not like a, like Shovel Knight is 8-bit, but it looks like a modern 8-bit game. Yeah, there's parallax this, scrolling in the background. Exactly. And have like some... I'm sure there are effects in this game that aren't modern. We didn't pick modern, up one. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks and plays very much like an NES game, and it feels like an NES game. And that was kind of cool, to be honest. It was, I mean... Yeah. For Everyone that's played this, from what I've heard, has enjoyed it. They're like, it's it feels like Castlevania. And exactly. that's about the best compliment that you can give it. It's like, it feels like a Castlevania game. So... If you guys want to check that out, it's 10 bucks on the eShop, maybe even cheaper now, uh, and we'll provide a link in the description so you guys can check that out and uh, just buy it right from the podcast. Get that affiliate that affiliate marketing right there. Very nice. Get like two cents on the on the dollar for that bad boy. Um, and then uh, we are jumping to our main topic, so we will be right back. And we're back. All right, guys, we are going to blow through these quick because, honestly, uh, a lot of these indie titles, while they look great, um, you know, there's not much that we know beyond the release dates and a little bit of what they're about. So I have these funny uh, just quick blurbs about each of these games that I'm going to run through real quick. Uh, And then, Landry, if you ever want to say anything in between these, please do interrupt me. So this is going to come from IGN's website where they have each of the titles that was shown off today in the indie highlight uh, and it was actually Nintendo UK um, that released it. So it, there were 16 games that were announced, and they're all indie titles that are headed to the Switch pretty much within the quarter or, or two, essentially. Like 20, Mostly, yeah. Uh, most of the release dates that I saw were 2018. This year one, and like a few in 2019, yeah. So good on Nintendo for picking games that we know are coming out pretty soon. So first up, uh, Night Call is a, uh, let's see, you assume the role of a cab driver in Paris. In Nightcall, as you help the police investigate serial killers who are terrorizing the city while also trying to make enough money to pay your expenses. Snooze fest. Early 2019. It doesn't look good. I could. I was, what good. a way to start the video. I was like, oh my gosh. You look like you're an Uber driver just taking people around and trying to solve murders. So. That's just my least yeah. favorite type of video game. And right I think there. it's all black and white too. So maybe if you're like really into like murder mystery and like... It'll probably come out, and I'm going to read a couple good reviews, and I'm going to pick it up, and it's going to be my favorite game of the year. But <laughs> <laughs> Because if it's on Switch, I'll, I'll probably pick it up. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's pretty funny. Up next, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. It's releasing November 6, 2018. And the uh, description says, A spiritual successor to Wonder Boy, the Dragon's Trap, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom has you playing as Jin in a 2D side-scrolling adventure where you can transform into a dragon, a pig, a frog, a lion, and... A snake. <laughs> Curveball. Uh, this game also, like, uh, again, it's 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 a 2D platformer where you can kind of level up and get stronger. It has some Metroidvania elements that I saw. I was like, no, <laughs> more Metroidvania games. Trending. Uh, but the backing music, awful. Yeah. <laughs> it really took me out of it. I was. It kind of reminded me. Somebody uh, said it had the same same chord progression as something very familiar. Oh, really? I I didn't catch that. Oh, 
God, I forget what it was now. It looked and reminded me a lot of Sean Shantae and the yeah. Pirates Curse. I can't remember which one. Very similar art style. Yeah, and in that game you play a witch who changes into like different creatures. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, Wonder Boy. People seemed to like all right when it came out on the Switch. So I never played it, but I I had heard a few folks say that it was decent. So cool. Glad that's coming our way. Um, the Guardians Between is another one here. So this one says manipulate time as you try to solve puzzles as best friends Ariana, I'm sorry, Arena and Friend in the Voxel Agents: The Gardens Between, which will also be arriving on PlayStation Four and PC September twentieth, twenty eighteen. This was the one game that really stood out to me that I actually feel like I'm interested in. It, it reminded me a lot of uh, Captain Toad. The art, yeah, the art style looked very interesting. You're kind of uh, moving around islands with like your buddy, and you're yeah, but, like super abstract objects and just weird like stuff that you'd find around the house. Like, yeah, you look like really small, I guess, in comparison to these things, or they're really big in comparison to you. I don't know exactly, but you're trying to piece it all together. Um, yeah, th- this game actually does look pretty interesting in terms of like graphical style. I don't and know the level that. setups are almost like dioramas, similar to Captain Toad. I think mm-hmm. that's what reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. When we mm-hmm. don't, I don't think we have an incredible idea of what the gameplay is going to be like, but it looks interesting. Very puzzle solving. This has the potential to be like good or just not good. <laughs> like agreed. Fifty fifty chance of being really great. Kind of the way I feel about all indie titles. Mm-hmm. When yeah. you see a video for it, you're, you're like, like, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not going to get too excited about it, but I see this, so the what what this has going for it is a good art direction, um, good music, absolutely, and you know puzzles are always. The music fun. was really cool. Yeah. That's I think that's the other thing that hooked me yeah. about it. So that was uh, the Gardens Between that comes out September 20th. So a lot of these were actually very close release dates, which is cool. Up next, up next, we had Streets of Rogue. Uh, this says, Tiny Build Streets of Rogue arrives on the Nintendo Switch with four-player co-op and exclusive enhancements and allows you to fight, sneak, and hack your way through a top-down, procedurally generated roguelite. Um, if it's half as good as Streets of Rage, we got a real winner on it. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good title. Uh, just looking at the art style, I'm not in love with this. I was watching some of the gameplay. It looks like a bullet storm kind of game where you're just fighting a whole bunch of people and I could go without ever seeing that art style again and I'd be 100% fine. Yeah. Um enter the gungeon kind of looking um there there the top down element like in in the house looks kind of like Hotline Miami if you ever played that game. Oh yeah. Um so that's a killer soundtrack. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great soundtrack, but this does not look like it's going to be as well polished. But again, winter 2018 this has potential to be awesome as well. Who knows? This is the up and downside of being an indie developer. You kind of just have to wait to see if it's going to be good. Exactly. Um, Bad North. Uh, this looks, this looks kind of like a, a iPhone game, uh, to be honest. Where you have just an island and you're trying to ward off people from getting on your island. I think we saw that in the first <clears throat> indie showcase this year. Yeah, I and it's out today. Yeah, they're, they do with a couple today. games. Mm-hmm. So uh, Bad North says, defend your island and home against a Viking horde in this real-time tactics roguelite from Raw Fury. Bad North is also headed to other consoles, PC, and mobile this year. So I was kind of right to assume it looked like a mobile game. But if you can kind of see that, it basically just looks like a you just have an island and you're trying to stop ships from getting on the island. <laughs> it's got a very boring look to it. it I, I just... This... This would be a great mobile game. Like, yeah, this seems I might like a actually pick it up game. on mobile. I just don't want to play that on my Switch, I don't think. This is the first time where I'm like, you know, maybe not on the Switch. Maybe not maybe on the not. Switch. 
Up next, we have Moonlighter coming autumn 2018. What is what is autumn 2018? What what are those months? That must be a British <laughs> thing. Yeah, it could be. Well, autumn is fall, but I know, but September like, 21st. Is that when it starts? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I guess we know between then and winter time. So we're good to go. In Digital Sun Games and 11-Bit Studios Moonlighter, you play as a shopkeeper who dreams of being a hero. During the day, you run your shop and upgrade your town. At night, become that hero and collect loot that can be then sold at your shop. Moonlighter released on May 29, 2018 for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, this game looked neat. This game looked like a really cool Zelda-esque adventure. Where That's what I was thinking as well, like Link to the Past overhead style. Yeah. I could dig that. Cool... Um, Cool idea too, like you know, every game has a shopkeep where you just buy all your crap from, but where do they get all those weapons from and stuff? It's like yeah, where absolutely. do you get all these from? And this explains he goes out and fights monsters also and steals all their stuff from them and sells it to the adventurer in the story that comes through. So kind of a cool idea. That one comes out, yeah, autumn twenty eighteen. So keep your eyes on that. This war of mine, November twenty eighteen. Bert's excited about this one. <laughs> Originally released on November 14th, 2014, so this is an older one. This War of Mine tasks you with surviving not as a soldier in war, but as a civilian's. In our review of This War of Mine, we said it's a, a gripping survival sim and a great study of survival during wartime and civil collapse. So that could be good. That was a PS Plus title last year. Dang. Man, I completely missed that, too. It, it was pretty good. I need to just download PS Plus titles and they come out, and then if I play them, I play them. If I don't, you know, I still have it. That's what I did for a long time. I'm currently not subscribed to it just because I'm not... Playing PS4 as much. Yeah. I respect that. I respect but, uh, that. Yeah, I, I never beat that game, but I put uh, maybe five hours into it. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, up next, Children of Morta. This comes, this comes early 2019. Featured in our IGN First Games to Watch in 2018, 11-Bit Studios, Children of Morta is a co-op action RPG that we have previously called a Diablo meets pixel art RPG. So I'm trying to see this uh, art style real quick to make sure I can tell you guys sort of what it looks like. I got a freaking ad. They they announced these three titles all together kind of right in a row, mm-hmm. if I recall. And I kind of blurred them all together at the end, and I couldn't remember what was what. But Early 2019 games, I feel like those are the ones that are, that are the least close to being done. Uh, but this, okay, I remember this game. It actually looks very, uh, looks great. It's got a great, you know, top-down pixel advertisement. Like they're talking about, um, let me see if I can just fast forward this a little bit, but it looks super good just in terms of the This art. one's like the dungeon crawler. Yeah. It looks like a really just, I, I love the art style on this one. I do too. Kind of taking that 16 to 32 bit art style, simplified graphics, but you're leveling up, hopping around and the, the backgrounds aren't pixelated or if they are, they're very detailed. Um, so kind of like a Fez looking situation going on there, so. Who knows? That could be actually a good one. Again, every single one of these kind of falls prey to that. God, we have so many more of these to go through. I'm going to skip through some of these I don't care about. All right. <laughs> Baba is You. This game looked real weird, where you're basically just this weird little white thing just pushing around different puzzle pieces. Comes out autumn 2018. Do you have anything to say about that? Nothing at all. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Slay the Spire. Uh, this is a game that people were pretty into, apparently. it's uh, It looks like it's Hearthstone meets uh, like turn-based combat. So it comes out next year, uh, early, and it says, Presented by Humble Bundle, Megacrit Slay the Spire is a roguelike deck-building card game that is currently in early access on PC and has already sold over 1 million copies. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I don't know if that's an indicator of success, but it's it's doing well. So keep your eyes on that. 
Windjammers 1 and 2 are coming to Switch. Um, did you ever play the one on PS4? No. It's basically like a competitive Frisbee football game where you just try to get your Frisbee past your opponents. Um, so tennis and some. No, as I well. think I did play that, but I didn't know it was called Windjammers. It was called Disc Jam. Disc Jam. I did play that. Yeah, that was like a, it was like a weird like demo or like a, a, a PS Plus title you could. Get. It was PS Plus. Yeah, yeah, I definitely played it for a little bit. Yeah, but. Disc Jam. Um, this is like so the Windjammers was the original, and then Windjammers Two is in the new one they're releasing, but it has uh, retro art style, so could be cool. Both 2019, so get excited about that. And then these last couple ones, Terraria, uh, pretty much is on every single platform, so it's no surprise that it's coming to Switch. Um, so if you like Minecrafty kind of survival-based games, Terraria is going to be a great game, and I think it makes sense on the Switch. So absolutely, that'll be a good game for that. Prison Architect, uh, this game looked like hot garbage, dude. <laughs> but apparently, folks like this game. Yeah, I remember it getting uh, nominated for a bunch of independent video game awards at the end yeah. of the year last year so i saw the video for this and i was like this looks so dumb i was like i am just not at all into this art style yeah, at it's all really it looks really slow and heady we'll see what happens but <sighs> yeah it says uh that one's pr- out now yeah prison architect nintendo switch edition arrives today with two expansions all day and a night in psych ward and we'll be getting the escape mode as an add-on later this summer originally released on pc in 2015 our review of Prison Architect said, Prison Architect is one of the most in-depth, satisfying builder games in ages, if you can get past the initiation. Which, whenever games have that as a caveat, it's like, if you can just slog past the first couple of hours, it's great. Right. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I want to make it that far, man. I could hardly get through the uh, preview. Yeah. It did not look exciting, so uh, we'll, we'll see about that one. And then last, I've been seeing a lot of this game. Uh, Morphe's Law, which is a competitive shooter where uh, the twist is you shoot other players to grow yourself, and as you get shot, you shrink. So the entire time, you're growing and shrinking if you're getting shot at or if you're shooting other people. And at the end of the game, I guess, there's a situation where you have like these two giant players, basically, that have been just shooting everybody and doing a good job. You can fight at the end. I don't know exactly how the combat works. It's an interesting concept, and I'll be interested to see how it goes over. It's, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't look like it's, it looks kind of half-baked at, at this time and it's available now. So you can play it right now, actually. Right. Um, I don't know if it's a demo. I would like to try the demo out to see you. If they, this should be a demo game because yeah. I am, I am a little bit intrigued, but yeah. I'm not going to take a $20 plunge on it. Because like some of the best times I've had at parties or like where I have like, you know, where we're playing games or something like that is, uh, indie titles, you know, mm-hmm. Nidhogg, Towerfall Ascension, um, a bunch of those just like weird one-off like Stick Bold or Sports Friends. Um, there was another game recently I got where the physics are hilarious and you're basically just trying to throw people off the edge. I know what you're talking about. I can't chunk them into called. Chunk them into grinders and stuff like that. that one as well. Yeah, like they're just really funny and they're goofy and they can get people kind of all riled up and laughing and having a good time. But uh, so that one I have, I have potential hope in because it does look like a good just split screen you know, shooter where basically you're just playing with your friends and the idea of shooting other people and getting larger is a pretty novel idea. So true. we will see about all of these. All in all, is there anyone that you're like more excited than most? And I'll go I through. Can, I honestly say I'm not excited about any of these titles at all. <laughs> I just didn't do anything for me whatsoever. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a slower week for, for gaming news. It has. Well, the thing with independent titles, and really any titles, you want, I look for developers that I've played some of their previous games, mm-hmm. and I didn't recognize any of these. So mm-hmm. it's hard to see a game you have no attachment to and just get stoked. Like, you're not I sure would say the Garden Between be. is like the one game that I'm gonna keep a close eye on, mm-hmm. just because I thought the music was really cool. I re- for some reason that art style was unique and interesting to mm-hmm. me. It's just yeah, I'm I'm in the I'm in the same boat. Like a lot of these, I think it's just we'll have to try them and see like what reviews come like what reviews come out for these and see okay is that game any good? Is it worth picking? You know, the, the beauty of all these games is they're probably gonna be between. 10 and 20 dollars you know they're, that they're is not, the one great thing about indie indie games really you're they're you're affordable not, and exactly. you can try a few and not feel terrible about your purchase and oftentimes <laughs> they're they're amazing like celeste is still my favorite game of the year mm-hmm. a great and title same guys that bucks. made Towerfall ascension same exactly guys. Yeah. so you can always start from that 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 area just uh it's just hard to know if they're going to be good or not until they come out so Stay tuned. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking about a few of these if they actually end up being good. But that's pretty much the end of our podcast here, guys. Uh, sorry we kind of slogged through those highlights there. But like I said, not a lot to talk about. But unfortunately, that is the end of our podcast. Remember, BigCast is a weekly podcast that covers most things video games and pop culture. Landry, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Jake. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be sure to go to bitbloggers.com to see our most recent Reviews where Lander, you have one up on there for Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Yes, you made it look pretty and wonderful. And oh no, no, no! It was all you. It was all you. <laughs> I just, I just copied and pasted and put it in there basically. Um, but yeah, no. If you have been kind of hesitating on whether or not you wanted to buy that game, uh, you can read Lander's review and get a good idea of what to expect. Um, totally sh- worth buying. Yeah, it's a great game. I would say that as well. Be sure to follow me on or Bitbloggist on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, Landry, where can guests find you at on Twitter? You can follow me on Twitter at Landry D. Smith. Boom. Very easy right there. And uh, be sure to send emails or topics to bitcast at bitbloggers.com to have us read off your topic on the show. Until next time, this has been BitCast. Thanks for tuning in. Let's talk about some stuff. What are you buying? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get some Resident Evil 4 in there.